एवरीवन सो हेयर इज आई रिमेंबर यू बाय यशा शुगर दोतीर पार्ट वन चैप्टर ट्वेल्व आई होप यू आर गोइंग टू लाइक इट सो लेट्स गेट स्टार्टेड चैप्टर ट्वेल्व द स्ट्रॉम हैड लेफ्ट इज द फोन दूर दैट नाइट एंड कंटिन्यू नॉर्थ टू द अबंडेड सेटलमेंट्स इन जोकिल फिदूर फ्रेयर गुड टाइम वेन द स्ट्रॉम हैड सब्साइटेड ऑलमोस्ट टू द मिनट He had not slept a wink, and at first the constant pounding on his bedroom window had helped to keep him calm until he stuck the headphones from his iPod in his ears and allowed the music to take over. It was quite clear to him that he was losing his grip on the reality. In fact, he already had, according to all the traditional definitions that he applied to his patients. He had heard voices and seen things, had lost all connection to his real surroundings. as he had always feared would happen it was a wayful to think that he had left sara so that he would not end up like this when perhaps it was inevitable after all perhaps he had not split up with her in time the seeds of mental illness had already managed to sprout roots when he packed his into cardboard when he packed into cardboard boxes the little that he took with him in fact he was not particularly surprised at this development What surprised him more was how realistic and reality felt. Now he understood better all those patients who had sat before him and described the most extraordinary things without blinking, convinced that their fantasies were part of ordinary life. It was incredible, really. All his life he had thought that people experienced this kind of delusions like a high. They were like a hazy reality that would be easy to distinguish from what was considered normal. at least when they came back down but this had proved not to be the case he had heard benny's voice in precisely the same way as he did the voices of his colleagues on ordinary work days nor were the visual hallucinations any less powerful when he had finally forced himself to look into the corridor the night before he had seen his son running away in the same clothing as he had worn on the day he disappeared and exactly the same height Although common sense told Freer that this was impossible, he was convinced his eyes had not deceived him. It was no use reminding himself that Benny was dead. There could be no doubt, and that even if he was still alive, he would have grown much taller in the three years that had passed since his disappearance. The best that Freer could come up with was that it had been an entirely different child, a child with the same hair as his son's. and wearing the same kind of clothing but he knew how absurd such a coincidence would be and was confused by the way the boy had vanished after a long chase during which the boy had passed through one door after another always well out of reach he ran into the medical ward and vanished when freya ran in panting out of breath no one there had seen anyone Two nurses whom Freer had nearly knocked over when he went around a corner had shaken their heads, unable to conceal their shock at Freer's appearance and his visible agitation. He was gasping for breath, his hair all messed up, and had difficulty explaining what was going on. It did not help that according to the roster, he was off duty and did not have any actual business being at the hospital that evening. When the glances exchanged by the nurses became uncomfortable, Freer had excused himself and left. That was when he first became dimly aware that he was losing it. 
there had been no child there let alone his long dead son now he was back at work again standing in front of the mirror in the staff toilets he pulled himself away from it and drew a deep breath the glossy yellow ball ties had always got on his nerves but now he found the way they framed his haggard face particularly unbearable his eyes were bloodshot and his face puffy after his sleepless night in addition before leaving for work he had been too preoccupied about whether he had lost his mind to remember to shave so he was also supporting a dark 6 o'clock shadow he was fairly certain that both patients and co-workers suspected he had been drinking the night before but there was nothing he could do about it except hope that the day would be gentle with him he was perfectly used to working for 48 hours straight so that held no fear it was a lot better than lying at home and letting his mind wander in circles here he could concentrate on work and while he did that there was no time to be chasing after hallucinations however one thought kept creeping into his head again and again despite his pushing it aside just as quickly his consciousness granted him of course he should let his boss know that he was worried about his own mental state but freer knew how that would turn out he would be sent home for a 10 day break to recover which meant an increased workload for his colleagues so it was not just the idea of hanging around at home with his thoughts that made him shudder however he did resolve to go straight to his supervisor as soon as he thought he could no longer do his job and the safety of his patients was compromised but so far there did not appear to be any danger of that things seems to be going perfectly normally and he neither saw nor heard anything that might be considered unusual however this all led him back to the same conundrum if he were suffering from a serious mental disturbance he would be ill equipped to judge what was normal but despite all his specialized education in the field of psychiatry and his experience of helping those who had a confused sense of reality he was convinced deep down that this was not the case it could not be it simply must not be freer had paid particular attention to the nurse who had gone on rounds with him and she showed no sign of thinking that he was behaving unusually to check he had deliberately made a ridiculous remark about a patient's condition and felt relieved when the women furrowed her brow and showed him an inquisitive look it gave him hope that the events of yesterday evening had been an isolated occurrence and now all was right in his head again now freer hurried to his office to see whether he could reach the doctor who was to perform the autopsy on hala he had already called twice that morning but reached a switchboard operator who suggested he try later the man was in the building but apparently not in his office in the empty corridor he hesitated slightly then he carried on determined not to see or hear any sort of nonsense the annoying squeaking of his work shoes suddenly grew distinct the linoleum floor was uncomfortably shiny the fluorescent light continued to blink erratically making loud clicks he would have to remember to chase up the caretaker and remind him to change it he was actually thankful for the damn blub when he grabbed the door knob to his office with a clammy hand focusing on such an ordinary object and its maintenance was enough to keep the image of his son running down the corridor from entering his head as he had feared it might
prayer shut the door behind him but then stopped at the recollection of how it had opened twice apparently on its own of course it was possible that there was something wrong with it loose hinges or a broken knob had caused it to open which had then triggered the hallucinations that had just been waiting to appear after such prolonged mental strain and general fatigue this all seemed very rational to him as he walked over to his desk with the door wide open behind him until the door slammed shut with a loud bang and i see jill passed over freer he forced up some saliva swallowed it and continued towards his desk as if nothing had happened if the door were in need of maintenance it could just as well shut on its own as open without warning when he sat down he could only stare at the door every nerve taut and every muscle tense entirely appeared entirely prepared for his body to jerk if the door should open but nothing happened without taking his eyes off the door he picked up the phone dialed the switchboard and asked to be put through to the caretaker he was relieved to hear his own voice sounding completely normal he was in a bad enough state without his voice growing shrill as well the caretaker answered after six rings just as freer was about to hang up he was an older man calm and easy going he seemed surprised when freer told him why he was calling and said that he had changed the plan that morning it took freer a little while to convince the man that just a minute ago he had watched it blink and in the end the caretaker reluctant and in the end the caretaker reluctantly agreed to come and have a look it did not help when freer asked whether he knew if there were anything wrong with the door to the corridor if the building was crooked or something that could cause the door to open or close without warning at first the man did not understand the question freer added that his office door had a tendency to open or shut without anyone appearing to come near it the caretaker said that as far as he knew the building was pretty robustly built and right angled he added that if the building leaned freer's door would either open or close not both unless freer thought it was rocking from side to side freer said goodbye and hung up his cheeks flushed and turned to the next phone call although he knew that dagny was probably waiting to hear from him regarding the files that she had loaned him he could not imagine speaking to her with things as they were he was even less keen on meeting her considering his current appearance he would see how he felt at the end of the day and then call if he felt confident enough instead he dialed the direct number of the doctor at the research clinic in rickajwick who answered on the first ring he introduced himself and they exchanged a few pleasantries before turning to the matter in hand hala waiting ice cold on a hard steel bench for her autopsy it would actually be better if you could come down here the doctor who was called cor was obviously surprised that freer had not seen any mention of the scars on hala's back in her full magical history maybe they are from self inflicted wounds and possibly they are connected to her mental condition i am no specialist in that field and i would welcome some assistance the morning flight has gone so i cannot come until around supper time would not that be too late freer felt an indescribable longing to get away for a bit i could spend the night of course and come to you first thing in the morning if that is more convenient for you Carl thought for a moment, but then said he preferred the second option.
we are cutting back here so the lab closes at 5 we could always do the autopsy after hours but i don't particularly want to work for the government for free these days it was different for freer he was not even planning on asking for his plane ticket to be reimbursed in case it complicated things and lost him the opportunity to get a little break he would pinch a day from his summer holidays instead if he needed his supervisor's permission to go see you at 8 tomorrow morning then i would better roll hala back into the fridge then the old man had turn the old man had taken a turn for the worse This did not particularly surprise anyone, least of all him. The bags under his eyes were yellowish, and despite the fever that had settled into his body, his face was deathly pale. Even his cough could not inject color into his cheeks. All the weak rattle did was interfere with what he was trying to say. Sorry, he raised a bony hand to his nose and mouth and used a handkerchief to wipe a drop of saliva from his bluish lower lip. I remember these kids well. I I taught their class the year after the photo was taken. Their class teacher was in an accident and I filled the position since my previous class had gone on to secondary school in the spring. He placed the photo in his lap and leaned back on his pillow. The hospital bed was in the upright position, meaning he was sitting up rather than lying down. There was a lot of speculation as to why the vendor chose this photo in particular. There were other hanging on the same wall, but he left all of them alone. Did the children he picked out have something in common? The ones he defaced. Prayer had brought the list with him and read out the names. Were they particular friends, a clique, or anything like that? We never knew that directly. At playtime, it did not look as if they had formed a special group. Although they were all good friends. Most of them had one specified friend, boy or girl, a kind of best friend. Of course, that sort of friendship you notice. Kids who always want to sit next to each other and who stick together like glue outside the class. In other respects, we did not know much about their social lives. There was more discipline in those days, and the school tried to teach the poor things as much as possible in the shortest amount of time. There was not this emphasis on life skills or whatever it is called. that's taken over education these days they had probably formed a group outside school but we teachers generally had our hands full with our own children without having to worry about the others outside the school grounds that was their parents job freer noted do you think that any of these children are still living in estafondezur or nearby i am particularly interested in speaking to loras helixson he decided not to mention that of those who picture had been subjected to the vendor's wrath helixson was the only one still alive he probably had information up his sleeve that he had not previously shared the old man pondered this for a moment as far as i know he moved away from istafondezur long ago he went south as a young man to study auto engineering and never returned but i could well be remembering incorrectly i will probably find him in the phone book Freer smiled at the man. Do you remember Hala at all? She was in this class, but she lived all her adult life in Flethry. Again, the old man had to think for a moment before answering. Sure, sure. A chubby little dark-haired girl, quite a rascal, as I recall. He looked at Freer. Her father was a drunk, treated her mother and the kids badly. 
the girl coped incredibly well given the circumstances she was sharp she was sharp though you would not say clever exactly fortunately none of his offspring inherited the sins of the father each of them was more good tempered than the last that's a blessing from what the old man was saying hala's father might well have suffered from an untreated psychiatric disorder in those situations it was not unusual for people to turn to the bottle if this were the case there was an increased likelihood that hala had struggled with psychological difficulties despite her managing to hide the symptoms from her family members there have been some pretty bad alcoholics around here over the years but it is growing less and less common i think people are more aware of the dangers of alcohol than they were in those days the man picked up the photo again the father of this little chap here had a great deal of trouble with alcohol lot some men fear looked at the photo and saw that the man's crooked finger pointed at the ragged boy standing just outside the group at the end of the middle row did he turn out okay the poor kid bernardus no i cannot say he did a terrible business freer's mouth suddenly went so dry that he was tempted to drink the glass of water that undoubtedly had the old man's tenters at night did you see bernardus yes that was his name poor thing he was not in the class when i took over so i never taught him but i remember his name well you don't easily forget someone who ends up like that did he turn out to be drunk too the old man put down the photo and freer took it the boy's eyes stared back at him from the poor copy it looked as if the photocopier had taken particular care with his face bernardus no no it did not ever get that far he disappeared the old man coughed again without a trace thank you for joining me i hope you like it